0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Podcast. We're excited to share this weekend's conversation with you from Pastor Jerry Hendricks. If you would like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or go to fbcsweetwater.org. Five weeks ago, we started a, a trek down Advent. It was the first Sunday after Thanksgiving, and we walked into our worship center, and the place was lit and decorated, and we were prepared. Uh, in your homes, many of them were already decorated and prepared, and maybe even in some of your homes you had a little advent calendar that helped you count down the days until Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And we begin this journey together. What's interesting about that journey is it's one that I believe teaches us something, and it helps us to develop our spiritual formation. It helps us get a grasp of what uh, our faith life might ought to look like under the best of circumstances what happens is uh, I don't know if you are aware of this but uh, during those seasons sometimes those who are the most faithful uh, will kind of make a snide remark about those people who only attend uh, church at Christmas time or Easter uh, and that's the only time that they attend but in that same light oftentimes we're guilty of only recognizing the seasons In our own faith life of the birth story of Jesus or the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus when we look at the whole what we understand is that there's a a lot of Jesus life and there's a lot of uh, history in the Old Testament that helps us genuinely develop our faith life and help us uh, develop as disciples as, as, as genuine disciples of Jesus And so one of the things that we do here, and we're pretty intentional in the way that we talk about it and develop it uh, through our conversation, is that we want to be attentive uh, to the things that happen sort of in, in between the high points. And to be attentive to that is to really take a position in our life where we slow down just a bit and we observe those things that are taking place not just in the context of the Christian calendar and the development of these key stories of faith life but also we want to pair that with what's going on in our life and how our life changes and how our life develops how things begin to shift and influence us uh, in our experience and in our faith life and then also we want to consider that in the context of our congregation all of those things are important for us in developing uh, this I, this, this uh, sense of spiritual formation and becoming uh, true disciples of Jesus. So I hope that you're finding yourself uh, in that experience as we come to this first Sunday after Christmas. It's one of those that uh, I think uh, Teak has shared with you, me that uh, this is one of those Sundays that most often youth ministers preach. Is that right, Teak? Then what am I doing up here? True. Uh, that most of the time pastors leave during these, these uh, spaces where uh, it's just kind of those awkward Sundays. But I, I don't want to approach this Sunday as one of those awkward Sundays. I think the text that we read sheds light on what it is that we're wanting to say and what we're wanting to experience. We're finding ourselves in that place, and we understand because we talked about this, about when, when God goes silent... And we talked about that period in, in Jesus' life from the time that he was 12, he was a boy, and he went to the synagogue, or went to the temple, uh, and the time that he appears for his baptism. We have this long, silent period uh, from God in terms of who Jesus is in his life. And so we're, we're really on the edge of that this morning in the text that we read. And the experience that we read is one of those that's past the birth of Jesus. The Magi have come, they've, they've uh, followed, and uh, they've come, and they've saw Jesus, and in their expression... Uh, they, Herod began to understand that they were beginning to talk about, word was beginning to get out that there was one that was born who would be the king of the Jews. Now that's significant. Now we talk about that most often in terms of the significance to the Jewish people because they had been anticipating that. In fact, that's what we're talking about through the Advent season as we usher that in. But from those outside the Jewish community, that was going to mean different things. Uh, For most of them, as we see, as we make this trek through Scripture, it it becomes revealing to them, the Gentiles, as Jesus is uh, crucified and resurrected, and Paul begins to talk about the church and who the gospel's for. But there's also other people that are involved that are not religious, but it's going to have some effect on them. Herod was one of those And he was threatened by that. He was not unlike a lot of other rulers who, when they rise to power, they develop this huge sense of paranoia. And one of the ways that he would express his power is by murdering people. In fact, before or right in the very beginning of his rule, he had over 300 uh, civil servants, influential people, murdered just as we could assume it just an exertion of power so that people would respect him out of fear for him Herod was a terrible terrible person and for him to have the news that there was going to be, there's one born who was ultimately going to be the king of the Jews this was the ultimate threat because surely he had heard in his lifetime how God had protected and oversaw his special people Herod was also known for murdering his wife his first wife her mother and his first two sons when it comes to exertion of power are things being way out of sorts are him feeling threatened he had no hesitation in pulling a trigger. So as he begins to learn of the news of this baby that's going to become the king of the Jews, the best way for him to approach that is to just get it from the start. The Magi, it says, if you look in verse 12 of chapter 2, said that they didn't even go back. They didn't even go near Herod. They were fearful of him. Wise choice. He mandates that every boy under the age of two be murdered in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was not a large city. Est- people would estimate, and this was pretty consistent in my reading, that possibly there was a, a, about 20 to 30 young men or babies under the age of two, male, that would have been murdered in this situation. And it's hard when you think about someone that's so terrible and the, the awfulness of murdering 30 innocent uh, children uh, that that makes us cringe but in the magnitude of, of his of Herod's awfulness it was just a drop it was just it was minimal that's what he mandated and in that Joseph has a dream now I don't know if you thought much about Joseph I want you to know that Matthew thought a lot about Joseph more than the other Gospel writers, so much so that he includes this piece about Joseph. And when you think about Joseph, uh, we know that in his experience, there there's three times that the Lord has come to him. The first one was with the news of Jesus, and we saw how that worked out. A bit of a traumatic time, but he stayed the course. He, he stayed loyal and faithful to God and faithful to God through Mary and in that relationship. And this baby was born to him. And, and they, they, they see Jesus ushered into this world. And then, just like any parent, there has to be that moment of just uncertainty of your responsibility. I mean, he's a carpenter. And God has entrusted him with this responsibility of this baby and this wife And now this one that's going to be our Savior. Then he has another dream. If you're Joseph, you probably are at the place where you want to stop dreaming. It says an angel of the Lord came to him, and this time the angel came to him in order to protect him. If you talk to parents, particularly young parents, but most of us who are parents never forget this, that there's a lot about the responsibility that we have of raising children, right? I mean, if you've got younger children in here this morning, you are keenly aware of that. If you're my age, it's been some time since you've had that experience. But imagine the progression of this reality of the magnitude of his responsibility that Joseph is having over the responsibility of raising God's son, Jesus. So he has this dream, and uh, in order to protect Jesus and his family, then they go to Egypt. Now, going to Egypt was something that was not out of the ordinary. It was something that was pretty common, in fact, for Israelites to go. In fact, probably in in, in Egypt... There was over a million Jews at that time and it would have been easy for he and Mary and Jesus to have gone unnoticed. They went there to order, in order for God to protect Jesus, in order for God to protect the plan that we might have in knowing him and having this unique relationship with him. Then the scripture says that Joseph has a third dream. Again, I reiterate. I wonder if Joseph had trouble sleeping at night for a fear of having another dream. I, could, I think we could associate with that. The third dream comes, and he says that Herod, the one that threatened them, is no longer alive. And that they can now go back and they can establish their home. And the way that they decided to do that, because of uh, Herod was so terrible and his children were terrible as well, uh, his oldest son, Archelaus, was, uh, was ruler over most of the, of the Judea area. And he was much like his father, Herod. So Joseph chose not to go back to that area. He went to the area of Galilee where his other son had taken uh, rule. And then there was a third area that was a smaller area outside of Galilee that uh, another son had taken. And they go there. And then now we have this story, this child story... Somewhat complete. The birth of Jesus, us understanding the magnitude of God coming to us through a child, through a baby. And then the progression of God continuing to protect his plan and make provision for us in the way that he's guided Joseph and Mary and helped them to bring Jesus to us. When we think about this passage, the one of the things that I want us to capture, and I put some of these uh, just conversation thoughts in your notes, is that in our process, one of the reasons I feel like it's important for us to slow down is that if, we, the, tendons, if the tendency is to rejoice, rejoice over this baby Jesus and then rush to the crucifixion and the empty tomb, then we miss these moments where God's willing to speak to us. Well, I don't think that's different. In scripture than it is in life that sometimes we're guilty of experiencing something of a spiritual ADD where we miss the things that God is doing in us or around us so if we really want to fully receive what God is doing in this experience and as we understand it in scripture today uh, I, I wrote down that we want to stay engaged in the story of Jesus I know that you are anxiously awaiting my basketball update, right? For those of you who are new to me, uh, knowing me, I have, I, basketball is my favorite sport. Uh, for one, it's played indoors, and there's a lot of action. Uh, and it's something that, that we've just found fun. My son and I attend a lot of games. Uh, the first conference game will be January 4th for the Big 12, and the first game I attend will be on January 8th. It'll be a home game. Uh, and we 'll we'll face a team from up north. Basketball is, is something that we take seriously, and we 've had tickets for some time now. For when we first got tickets, we 're on the lower level, and I 'm not saying that we 're ticket snobs now, but we, we do work hard for our tickets, and we 're on a corner, and we 're there by the UT band. And, and I don 't know if your children do this to you, but my children make fun of me. I mean, Is that just normal? OK. Oh uh, well, maybe I should have said, "Did you make fun of your parents as they grew older?" And so for years, the way you do it, you get your tickets, and you you kind of as you make as you, the longer you're engaged in the, the the season ticket holding process, you move around to better places if you choose to, and uh, you acquire these points over the years and over your the loyalty you've had to the team in the process. And so we're sitting there, and we're like one section off from the band now. I go to events to be entertained, and so sometimes I depend upon replay. What that means is I miss a lot of the game because I'm paying attention to other things. And so we didn't move from our seats in section 41 for a long time because James thought that I didn't want to be further away from the band who was entertaining me. We've moved around, we're in section 37, not bad seats. A lot of times in our faith life, we walk through life distracted by things that keep us in this rhythm of knowing God and being engaged in what God is doing in us. Sometimes I feel like believers disqualify themselves from being engaged in this process. And I don't know if there's anyone in here this morning that would find themselves in this position, but you will talk to people who occasionally who feel like that, that their life has been so bad, that they've gone so they've drifted so far away from God that they've really taken themselves out of an opportunity to be engaging in this, this story of God as God's working it out in his world today. I think that we need to remember for ourselves. And remember when we do encounter people who have that experience, that the whole part of of us understanding that Jesus came in order to give us life was so that we might all understand that we're all weak and we're all broken and we're very frail. And it's only through living and understanding a life with Him that we can be fully engaged in this process. So we can't disqualify ourselves from that. We don't want to become distracted by things that might keep us from understanding how our faith life develops. But rather, we want to be attentive to what God is doing in the world we want to be attentive to what God is doing in us, and we want to engage, the, engage those in such a way that we let God's story be lived out in us. And once we begin to understand that, then we move into a new kind of faith experience. The beauty of God's story is that God's story never stops. It is continuing to develop in every person that's in this room that is a believer and follower and disciple of his. It's a continuing process and never come to that place where you think God is finished revealing himself and his story to you or through you. We want to stay engaged in the process and witness what God is doing in us and what he's doing in the world. We want to witness the provision of God. I was thinking, if we, if we just took this opportunity, not so much as a time of reflection on the past year, but let's just say this morning that we would commit over this next year, over a large portion of this next year, to do two things. One, calling on the provision of God. Sometimes we never witness the provision of God because we never ask for the provision of God. I think if we understand our relationship to him, we understand that he does love us and that he does care for us and he makes provision for us in a variety of ways. I believe it would do us well in our life over this next year if we were to focus on those provisions and ask ask God for those provisions. And if you don't know what those provisions are, do what I do. Ask God what they need to be. If God knows the answers, ask him. Just ask him, and God will begin to reveal that to you and show that to you so that you're praying in unison with him, that you're aligning your life with him. So the things that you even begin to utter as prayer, he's already known, he's already prepared for. You're just aligning your life to agree with God about that. Pray for those provisions. Second thing, mark it down, write it down. Don't just write it down in the memory of your soul. That's good if you have good memory recall. But not all of us do. And when it comes to spiritual things, sometimes we don't have good spiritual recall. Let's just don't do that. When I first started journaling, I started journaling out of something of a silly thing, silly reason. I heard someone say one time, That they kept track of of the answered prayer in their life through a journal. And that every time that God answered a prayer, they wrote their prayers down. And every time God answered a prayer, they highlighted it. So that every time in their life that they doubted whether or not God was willing to act, they would move those pages one at a time and see the highlights and recall the ways that God had moved in their life. I believe that's how God's provisions are for us. That if we make note of them, if we write them down and we highlight them in our experience and in our life, then we become aware of how God is providing for us. Not just assuming or not just trying to recollect when it comes time for Thanksgiving, but genuinely being active and seeing what God is doing. And if we're praying for it, here's what happens. We begin to anticipate it. So the pen is already ready. The pen is already on the paper because we've asked for it. We're just waiting for God to act. This experience that Joseph has gone through has been an experience of him witnessing the provision of God in his life. Sure, Jesus was a part of that. We might even agree that Jesus was the primary part of that, but in Jesus being the primary part of that, Joseph was not excluded. And we see Joseph experiencing the provision of God in his life. And finally... Live the fullness of his provision. Live in the fullness of what God has provided for you. Soak it up. Enjoy it. Rejoice in it. Understand it. I think there's more for us to understand in what that fullness looks like. But it's a place where we ought to find ourselves on a regular basis. Live in the fullness that God has provided for you. Don't continue to look at the emptiness in the world. Don't continue to only look at the emptiness in your own life. But begin to focus through God's provision as you engage his story on the fullness that he has provided in your life and in the life of those who are around you. If we take this opportunity, we move into a new year anticipating what God's going to continue to do as God reveals His story through Scripture and as God reveals His story through our life. Let's let Him do that. And let's not miss it.